Welcome to the first episode of To Infinity, where hopefully we go beyond. And yes, I know, that's a cop-out for To Infinity and Beyond, but I don't want Disney to sue me, so you have to deal with it. Anyways, I'm your host, Alex Henry, and I plan on bringing on a lot of people with diverse backgrounds and a bunch of different interests and hobbies, and hopefully kill about 30 minutes of your time, whether you're on the Stairmaster, you're driving to work, or doing something else. Hopefully you find this interesting, and you'll want to come back and hear more stories. A little bit about me, I am 29 years old, I'm a captain in the army, I have previous experience in management consulting, I have two wonderful dogs, Hershey, who's a chocolate lab, and Butters, who's a corgi, and uh, I have a lot of different hobbies that I'll delve into in later episodes, but for the first one, I just kind of wanted to start it and bring you my friend Terrence that I know from Twitter, and um, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoy it, so without further ado, Terrence Avery. Okay, welcome to the first ever guest on To Infinity. We have Terrence Avery here, who is a bit of a rock star on Twitter, at least I know, um, in the Mill Twitter realm. I am not necessarily part of Mill Twitter, but I do occupy some of the space because I'm in the military. But Terrence, uh, I think you're pretty much widely accepted by almost every section of mill twitter like even the goons i think fuck with you so i think that's pretty nice generally i try to avoid the goons to be honest like most of them are fine they just their their alliances are weird but (laughs) yeah generally generally people it's it's been said that i that i get away with with more than most can just because i'm generally just likable uh, across the board which is another thing we can get into about how i how i manage that but yeah that's a fair i don't know if i would say famous or prolific or anything like that but um superstar famous i've been i've been around for a minute so that helps time let's let's get into that though because the next thing i was going to talk about is mill twitter but really Twitter in general. I don't know Mm -hmm. when we followed each other. I think it was probably a little bit before the pandemic hit, I think. Yeah, Um, maybe. Yeah, so it's been a couple years of following you, and I can say uh, probably one of the more genuine dudes, at least in the space of Mill Twitter, that I've uh, met's a strong word through through social media, but I guess met. And you always seem to be mentoring people and being very helpful, and um, you don't really take sides in a lot of I guess controversial things um you you put out smart statements or just real shit um yeah that way you're not sitting there fighting a battle for someone else it's really you put out what you want to say and then if someone wants to be a dick like go back at them but yeah so you're saying you've been around for a while how long have you been on twitter kind of what led you to the mill twitter space and how did you amass such a big following and just become this wholesome dad of Mill Twitter slash yeah. rock star. I think, like, honestly, like, I started my first Twitter account when, like, Twitter first started. So, like, I had, like, an account in, like, 2007. Yeah. But I never really did anything with it. You know, I had, like, 50 followers here and there. And then, truthfully, I started getting more into it when um, I deleted Facebook. Yeah. It, 2016 um Bold move because yeah well i did that because like i still wanted to like be able to like look at my family mm-hmm. and like hang out with them so 
because um, like most of my family is like super conservative, all from the South, yeah. uh, terrible politics. Um, my, you know, we kind of have a truce that we don't talk politics when we like, get together or anything like that. So Smart. I was like, you know what? Facebook doesn't do anything other than like make me angry. Um, so like I deleted it and kind of shifted to Twitter, um, kind of just like for news and to, like interact with people. Um, I ended up like meeting a few folks like, um, combat cab scout, as uh, you know, another popular account. We were actually in the same unit. Oh, we, were, nice. like, we worked like 40 feet away from each other. And like, he knew who I was. Cause I've, I've never been anonymous. I've always had my name out there, but I didn't know who he was until like a little bit later on, you know, we had interacted a bunch yeah. and then he finally was like, Hey, this is who I am. I'm like, you motherfucker. That's um, awesome. <laughs> and, uh, but then like I deleted that account when my first marriage was kind of falling apart. She was like, Hey, Twitter sucks. And you know, it was kind of like a power grab like on her part. And so I was like, okay, I'll delete it to save the marriage or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, it didn't save the marriage and that account was gone. So I started my next account and that was the one where I was like, you know what? No one follows me here. I'm going to be a little bit more, um, like, just kind of like who I am, not yeah. necessarily before I was like, I always like walked the line, like little things. Like I would never like curse on my other Twitter because I had like family and people like from college that followed me, yeah. you know? So those were like things that I, that I wouldn't do. And then when I changed that and started just like really interacting with people and, um, doing that. And then a few years ago, I kind of made the decision to do a couple things one not engage um like no punch down so like i'm not gonna i don't like to like quote tweet people who have fewer followers than me or who like aren't verified so if they you know are a member of right-wing media and they're verified but they only have two thousand followers or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah i'll I'll go at them all day but just like some you know anonymous person or you know someone who you know has 17 followers and has to do like a really shitty take like i'm not going to quote tweet them i'm not going to punch down i'm only going to punch up and then i'm not going to argue with anonymous people and then i'm not going to get involved in things that um i don't actually care about so like that's kind of how i I think i kind of stay generally like in like a neutral space and if i if i do something like if i post something controversial like i'm mute i'm mute immediately it's like (laughs) you post and then I have like qual the quality filter on, so like I only yeah. see lies from people that follow me, um, and that helps a lot. Because sometimes I'll like go and I'll look and I'll look at all the comments that I like, don't see, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, these people, are fucking crazy. Yeah. And I- so that's kind of how like I think I manage it, and how like I kind of like maintain my perspective and like don't get two in the weeds and try to stay. And then and now you know I don't post like any military content like. It, it, like it's all like dad stuff mm-hmm. marriage stuff pet stuff like because it's relatable right because yeah. like what i don't want to do is come in like i've said i think i even said it this week and i've said it before like twitter is just a race to see who can save like the the, the, the terrible joke first you yeah. know so like there's no original content everybody's jokes are the same if someone gets caught stealing someone's content they're like oh it's no big deal or it's just a meme you know and it's like okay well if i tell a story about like my actual life like I'm not stealing that, you right. know, and that's authentic and it's not something, you know, it might be like in the same vein of, you know, something someone said before, but it's not going to be exactly what they said before. 
No, I get that. Um, and just to go back to one of your earlier things, so I had a Twitter account that I started in 2008, and um, I remember I commissioned in 2015, and so right after I commissioned, I knew that I was going to go MI. They were about to do a background check. So I nuked my other account because I remember tweeting really stupid shit. Like one time, I think I said, if a girl tasted like cinnamon rolls, I would go down on her for a week. And for some reason, I thought like that's going to incriminate me. Whereas like they probably were going to look at it and be like, this guy's stupid, but he can do his job. So I nuked Mm -hmm. that account and I had 2,000 something followers. And I started my new account and I only had, I don't know, a couple something followers. And then I'm met this girl who has a lot of followers and she would retweet me and basically like built me from the ground up. So I pretty much owe her to like any jump I have. But, um, I messed with what you were saying and like only punching up because I think for a little while I was a little too unhinged and I would just quote tweet the fuck out of people. And I am blocked by so many people now that like when people quote them, you know, you go and they're like, oh, this person blocked you. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. I've, no, I've never interacted with this person or maybe I did at some point or it's back when like they tried to cancel me or something like, you know, all that shit. I'm like, well, I don't really know who these people are. I don't care enough. But for someone, and I was going to bring it up, like Posobiec or Charlie Kirk or like the those kind of like weird incel alt-right kind of people, I have no problem like going after them. I, I don't do it too often, but as far as like, People like you and um, Justin and, and those people, I think you guys have fun with it, but you also make really good points at the same time. It's not like just trying to dunk on someone and exactly like you said, it's not the same joke on somebody. You're, you're actually making a point, which I really appreciate like being authentic because I kind of, I remember back on my old account, my most retweeted tweet was a regurgitation of another joke I had heard and mm-hmm. it got a lot of interaction and engagement and then one of my friends in real life saw it and he's like dude isn't that the same tweet that they just tweeted like a week ago and i'm like yeah but look at the interaction they're like yeah but it doesn't matter like people are going to look at you and think that's the dumbest tweet in the world so now i basically just tell shit that applies to my life which isn't always funny or isn't always like a hit but at least it's me and i I feel like that's exactly what you said at least it's you so i think audiences will appreciate that a little bit more but you said you don't talk about military stuff and that struck a chord with me too because I really don't talk about it that much anymore at all I never really was into talking about the army too much and I think that's why Mel Twitter never really accepted me as yeah. like <laughs> having like any nothing nothing bo- like bores me more than when people get on there and talk about doctrine or they want to yeah. talk about like stuff like I don't care anything about it like um good for them mm-hmm. that they have like a hobby that they like, but, um, like I'll see like these, you know, massive, like 20, you know, thread, you know, 23 threads. And I'm like, I'm going to like all those because like I'm your friend, but I'm not reading this. <laughs> I'm not going to like them. I'm not reading and, them. It's like the magic and, Johnson gif. It's like, I'm not going to be here. Like, that's great. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, like if I if I have a funny observation about something or if somebody mentioned something like, uh, you know, someone's talking about either company command or mm-hmm. being like in an S3 shop or something that I have like experience with, like I might chime in and say, oh, this is, you know, whatever. But like, I'm not going to go out and give some, you know, doctrinal, yeah. uh, you know, spiel about 
anything because like it's just not what my interests are right now you know yeah. like the the army reserve is you know low low on my priority um so like i don't really care i'd much rather talk to someone about you know transitioning from active duty mm-hmm. or you know relating their skills from the military to the civilian side rather than talk about like the latest greatest tank or what is or isn't a tank like i've had like tank muted for like three years you know <laughs> really yeah <laughs> like even if someone that, tweets like, like will someone take me to the ball game you're just not you're just never gonna see that never gonna like never gonna see it i, I have so much of like those like and every time everyone was you know chirping on you know a, a topic like i'm always going to use those words and yeah. I'm, like and if there's people that you know constantly talk about the same stuff like those people are getting muted like i don't like i don't block anybody um i never have and if someone if someone follows me mm-hmm. and i follow them i generally won't follow them either um but yeah i don't have like my mute list is like infamous it's really long um and I'll do, I'll do, stu- I used to do stupid things where like I would unmute certain people mm-hmm. and then wait for people to like bring them back to my feed. And that would like be an automatic mute, like for those people too. It was just like, if you put this person in my timeline, you're getting muted. <laughs> Dude, there was this one. Okay. So there are these uh, groups of people that essentially they live in these echo chambers. And mm-hmm. if they went out inside and touched grass, they would probably combust into flames because they haven't seen the outside sun in 10 years. But anyways, they live online and they're, just, they're like chronically online. Um, yeah. Some of these people back when I, I was getting canceled, um, they would like come after me for just tweeting how I normally did. And so I blocked them because I was like, I don't need this. You, you're a random internet stranger. Whether or not I'm a good person is up for debate, but I don't care about your opinion. But after a while, I, I kind of felt bad. I was like, I don't really like blocking people. And so I unblocked everybody. And mm-hmm. then like not a day later, I made, <laughs> this is so stupid. I made a tweet opening up my pre account, but it was like, I think it was ghost or something like that. And they have this little inner circle in the wrap that you have to take out. And I literally recorded it like putting a thumb in like a girl's ass, but it like instead mm-hmm. of the pre workout, <laughs> I left. I let out like a little comical moan and I mm-hmm. tweeted it just as like a joke. Um, and one of these people that I had blocked quoted it or something like that. And is like, can you please block me again? Like, I don't want to see this shit. And so I blocked it right away. Cause I was like, fuck it. It's funny to me now. But yeah. to me, it's like, I wish more people were just going to mute people like you do, because if you truly don't want to see something, that's fine. I've got a pretty lengthy mute list as well. Um, even a lot of the people that I follow, like I follow because I like the person. I don't necessarily like the things you say or your post or this or that. Um, yeah, it's totally like self-absorbed, but like I'll follow somebody and then mute them just because I don't think what they post is very interesting or like they do a lot of the, you know, stolen joke stuff yeah. that oh, I've seen this joke a million times, but if they interact with me, like I don't mind like interacting with them back, Yeah. but like, I don't want, I don't want them to clog my timeline you know who you are know? the real mvps the people that don't expect you to follow them back but still engage and interact with you and they bring some like fun stuff like there there are a lot of people that i just i have no interest in following and that doesn't mean that they're a bad person or that they're not interesting they're just not someone that i want to follow 
Um, right. But like when they continue following you and they're very kind and stuff, those are the real MVPs. Like they're the unsung <laughs> heroes of the four likes I get when I actually do make jokes. One of them is that person. I'm like, you know what? Maybe yeah. one day I am going to follow you. It's probably not today, but one day, you know? Yeah, I've got people like that where people that – I, did, I don't know that I'm not following necessarily because I don't I don't look at it anymore. Like I used to obsess about um, kind of like the image. Like I used to always obsess about who I was following, yeah. what, what I was liking. I had to work for your follow, man. Um, I had to work. Yeah, who was following me? You know, I used to care about all that stuff. And then I just kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember when this, you know, this was like maybe a year into this, like this new account. And I hit the point where I I had more followers than I was following. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's like, that's what everybody strives for, right? That's like, I know that's that's like the, you know, the level like, oh, I'm finally, you know, more popular than what, you know, I'm putting out there whatever. Yeah. And now I almost feel bad because I really don't follow that many people. Like I only, I think I follow like less than 800 people, you know, and and so, like, I almost feel bad, but then I'm like, yeah, you know, not really, you know. And so, and then I do, like, and another reason why I mute a lot, because I'm not going to give, and this is really stupid, but I'm not going to give someone, like, a block cred. You know, like, no one's <laughs> yeah. going to be like, oh, this dude, he got so triggered that he blocked me. Like, no, nah, man, I'm going to mute you, and then I'm going to let you scream at me yeah. in the vo- you know, to all my tweets. I'm never going to see it, because I don't care about it. I don't care about you. Like... My like my real life's pretty my real life's pretty rad. Like I like you know I only need like I only use Twitter for fun Mm -hmm. because I enjoy it and because I meet interesting people. But like I'm not gonna let some you know somebody give me down like when all the stuff with uh, when I had my run in with Pistovic and all those guys last summer. Yeah, when they tried to like you know ruin my life or whatever, like, cool. Like, I went right back, you know, I was, like, retweeting all their tweets. Mm-hmm. When they, and, then, you know, some of the goons were jumping on me for it, and I was just retweeting their tweets. Yeah. And it was like, I don't, I don't give a shit about any of that. No, they're random internet strangers. And, you know, like, like I mentioned, I'm not the perfect person in the world. I've made plenty of mistakes. But, like, there was a time, um, like, not to bring it up again, but, like, when I when I was, like, attempted to cancel I deleted my account almost instantly because I had no idea how to handle that I was like the things being said about me aren't true I don't agree with them like I don't need this blah blah blah. I I cared way too much about someone's opinion and then coming back in like the last couple years I've kind of been on the similar mindset of like my life is pretty good I like it a lot outside of Twitter outside of social media um nothing these people can say to me should really affect my day. Now, does it sometimes, I'm sure the same with you, does it sometimes? Maybe a little bit. But at the end of the day, not like, I'm not going to make life decisions based on that. Um, right. And I wish more people had that mindset because I, I feel like a lot of people do try to cater their timeline specifically and perfectly so that they don't offend anyone or this or that. And not in like a PC way, it's just like they're upholding this public image. It's like, dude, you have 500 followers. You don't have to. Like, nothing's going crazy just enjoy yourself a little bit and then when i sometimes when i see like those replies or i'll see someone quote tweet you know somebody now i go look at their timeline and they've got you know fifteen thousand tweets and every tweet it's like one like two likes yeah no and it's like man i know it's not about that but it's like all right you're just 
you're just on here because it makes you feel good mm-hmm. to be able to express yourself, even if it's, you know, a shitty opinion that I don't agree with, or you're being, you know, sort of like borderline harassing or you're, you know, whatever. But like the, the end of the day, like you're an anonymous internet troll, like your impact yeah. is only, is only goes as far as the person that you're harassing allows it to go. And I know that's like a very like white guy privileged take. Cause I know that there is some like really, you know, shitty things that happen on the internet and I'm not impervious to it, but I am kind of like shielded from it is because like, you know, no one's going to say, no one sexually harasses me online, you know? Yeah. And um, I think it's really funny that I, that I, I shouldn't exist, you know, in all the spaces that I'm allowed to exist, you know? So, so yeah, I, I get that. It's kind of like a privileged take, but it kind of is, just, but it's at least you're, you have the wherewithal. So I think the funny ones are the ones that are like super misogynistic and they're harassing of women, but then you go on their timeline and they're retweeting like a bunch of porn or their likes are just a bunch of ass and stuff like that. looks like you're mm-hmm. on my likes. I'm like, damn son. Like relax yeah. a little bit. It's seven in the morning. Um, but when they're harassing people for showing their body, but like that's what they're taking in for their content. That's what they're liking. It's just hypocritical. And it's like, yeah, there's a people can shit post, but there's a point where like your shit posting has no merit. Like it's just, it's toxic for yourself. And I feel like that's kind of the people that you were describing. Um, yeah. Not, not to shift over to that though, but I did want to talk about like what you do in the army and then just kind of what you do now. Cause you said you're, you focus a lot um, as far as help goes on like transitioning. So like, what did you do when you were active, I'm assuming? Um, And then you transitioned to reserve and now what do you do and kind of, um, what has been your experience in helping people with transitioning? I know that's like four questions in one, but the time is yours. Um, So I was active duty for nine and a half years or so. Uh, I did a bunch of things, chemical officer uh, by trade, you know, spent some time in the 101st, with them, um, went to Fort Lowe, got stationed at Fort Leavenworth, and then stationed down here at Fort Stewart, left active duty here, um, and then joined a joined the reserves. Because I, I was kind of like, I know that I'm, I don't want to be in the active component anymore, mm-hmm. but I still thought that maybe I wanted to like do the reserves and you know still be in the army because it's still you know it's a decade of your life that's hard to like just shut off. Absolutely. And, and so this was 2018 um, when I left active duty, joined a chemical battalion in Atlanta area. So, you know, go there for drill, do all that. Um, picked up major, um, worked there like through COVID, uh, went to Utah, did some, you know, did COVID response through them and then moved to my new unit that I'm with now last summer. And it's a readiness division staff. Uh, it's two-star staff. I'm just a nameless, faceless major there. We do, we do, we drill every quarter. Nice. We don't do every month. So it's like very, it was very much, I wanted a job where I could just like, there's literally nothing to do outside of drill mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't always be involved. So like when I was in a, you know, an actual operational chemical battalion, I was the S3. I always had like my, you know, my teams, you know, teams up. And I was always communicating with my full-time staff and just like always being involved um, because that's what the, you know, kind of like the dedication to the job required to do it, you know, in a way that was effective and not, you know, making making it tough for the full-time staff and then making it tough for, you know, the rest of the, mm-hmm. the part-timers. So I really needed a, a job because I, you know, I kind of stumbled out of active duty. Um, I thought, oh, this is great. I've been an army officer for you know almost ten years. Everyone's going to want me. 
I'm going to be super marketable. I've got a degree in finance. Um, everything's going to be great. And that just didn't turn out to be the case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I worked one job um, right out. Uh, it, it was a manufacturing job. Um, a month after I started, the guy who hired me quit. And then the guy who they hired to replace him wanted to bring his own guy in to take my role. Hmm. So they let me go the day after Christmas. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, 2018. And so I kind of stayed unemployed for a couple months. And then I started another job with a tech company here in Savannah area. And then um, they hired me, you know, because they had, you know, four or five new contracts coming up in the works. Uh, those ended up not going through. They couldn't afford to keep me. Mm-hmm. So that was more of a got laid off type thing. And then I sat unemployed for another, you know, few months. Thankfully, honestly, COVID probably saved me because I got to go, like, I came on orders. Oh, nice. And I got to go um, do all that kind of stuff. But I didn't, you know, I didn't prepare myself. There's so many programs that exist when you come off active duty that people just, that I, I was like, I don't need that. Like, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know, just kind of like the hubris that I had uh, leaving. And so whenever I, you know, talk to people who are getting ready, you know, I'm like, hey, it's never too early to like start, you know, preparing. It's like get, you know, find out what you want to do, find out where you want to be, um, you know, do, you know, if there's a program that the Army does, like Skill Bridge is like mm-hmm. the new office to get into, like, to like get it for best to get into tech. It's like, uh, you know, do every, get our, do every opportunity that you can, because like the day you leave the Army, no one in the army is going to remember you. Right. Right. Just because it's, it's like, it's the cognitive machine. Yeah. Been around for a long time. If general officers can retire and the army can go along, then they can do it without, you know, captain, whoever, sergeant, whoever. That's yeah. just, that's just the truth. I hear a lot um, of phrases that, um, a CEO could step into a colonel's position, but a, a colonel can't always step into a CEO's position. Um, just because of that bridge. And I feel like a lot of the higher ranking general officers, often feel that way that they can just go in and take some job and and they'll be wanted by everyone you know indeed or linkedin or whatever they're using they'll see Mm -hmm. colonel and all of a sudden they think that everyone's going to flock to them but i think with today's job market at least when i was in the real world um, i saw that wasn't true i mean people have been doing project management for two decades in the civilian world and they get picked over the the colonel who yeah does project management but is is it really Project management, to a degree, mm-hmm. yes. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's awesome that at least you're aware of that and spreading that message because I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, have this preconceived notion that they have all these transferable skills and uh, many times they, they might, but can they articulate that to jobs instead of saying, hey, like we went on multiple missions, you should be saying something about leading different projects or this or that. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people have at least that knowledge right off the bat and they set themselves up for a little bit of a, not a failure, but kind of a reality hit. Yeah, it's definitely, it's like, you're not going to do generally true from every military transition. You're not going to do the job that you think you're going to do, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get paid what you think you're going to get paid. <laughs> right. um, that's just, that's just the truth. Like I make, like on the civilian side, I work in tech, I work in cybersecurity. I make great money. Mm-hmm. I am just now making what I would have made if I would have just stayed active duty, right? So without, you know, tax-free PAH and without, you know, totally free healthcare. So, like, 
it's the it's kind of like that trade-off it's like do i regret it no because i have i can pretty much do whatever i you know kind of whatever i want mm-hmm. um you know i don't have the you know kind of the bullshit that comes with you know being in, in active duty but i still you know kind of get to do you know kind of my own thing so uh so that's just kind of like what i try to like help people with like now like and then you know get them in my network you know and have them like follow me on linkedin or whatever is kind of like keep that going but just more about like giving people kind of a you know reality check and yeah say hey like i screwed up and like no one thinks that i'm as awesome as i think i am right and i failed you know and i'm willing to say that hey you know i you know i messed that up and like don't don't be me you know do better yeah, I try to tell people about the reverse is I was in consulting before I got into the army and I came in widely unprepared. Um, I got hired because of my clearance. I think from a higher level, I should have came in as an analyst and I came in as a consultant for Deloitte. So starting my career with Deloitte, which if people are aware of the consulting world, like they'll know it's a big four and like that's people work their whole life to get hired by Deloitte. And I just kind of strolled in talking my ass off. Um, and a lot of people might think that's cool, but it, it wasn't, I failed. Um, and I, I didn't get fired, but I knew I was probably on the way to get fired, so I found something differently. And then um, I ended up with Accenture and I was making, uh, I think 120 a year, um, which is crazy for a 26 year old, I was balling. But yeah. I, again, it was I was set up to fail, I wasn't really prepared, I wasn't ready. Um, and then I took a huge pay cut to go active, but at, at the end of the day, like I thrive and do well in the army. But it's like you said, the trade-off. Like now I don't make as much money, um, but I'm doing well in work. However, I don't have the freedom to go wherever I want. Um, I can't, you know, do certain things that you could do on the civilian side. So you know, where do you find the right balance? And it sounds like you've been able to do that, and it sounds like you're helping people accomplish that. So I think that's very admirable because I know that's something that. Um, I try to do a little bit. I don't really think I have the credentials just yet to be able to mentor people on it. Um, but I do know that when I'm transitioning out or when I do get out eventually at some point, that is something that I, that I want to do. So I might hit you up for the mentorship on how to um, get with them. So I just saw that Zoom is giving us like eight mm-hmm. minutes left. So eight I want minutes. to hit on um, just a few pieces. So one of the things that you said is you have a lot of stories about divorce. Um, and I don't necessarily think we have a whole lot of time to like go through like the entire story. Um, but we're both either uh, almost 30 or a little past that. And I think it's just interesting being in different life stages. So to me, I know my next marriage uh, will be my first marriage and I want it to be my only marriage. And I think a lot of people think that way. But the reason I'm thinking that is because I didn't have the time period in my 20s when I was married to my high school sweetheart or my college sweetheart um, and then get divorced around 30, which I feel like is a bunch of people right now. So if I was to get married now and have 10, 20 or whatever years with someone and then get divorced, my second marriage then is like in a whole, is a completely different stage in life. Um, And I just think it's interesting the time frame that that happened with you because I think you're around 30-ish. 36. Yeah, 36. So... I think you're still in a time frame where a lot of people have their first marriage. So mm-hmm. what was that like? Um, what priorities shifted in you? Whereas you found your new partner who, mm-hmm. if anyone follows you on Twitter, they know you're incredibly head over heels for this woman day after mm-hmm. day. And we love to see it. So like, what was that like? The priority change? How did you find your current yeah. wife? What's, what's that story looking like? So um, my first wife, 
like we were in college when we met uh we very we were you know i had a christian college uh i got her pregnant and oh, yeah. like we found out we were pregnant in february and we got married in april mm-hmm. um and then he and then our, our son who's 14 now was born in october so um and then we kind of, I mean, we, and we tried to make it work. We were never, and we'll both readily admit this now, because we're, we're probably, we get along better now than we ever did when we were married. But um, it was like, kind of like a, uh, we tried, we had two more kids. Um, she, you know, followed me around the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she like put a, a lot of her stuff on hold to try to make it work, which, you know, bred a ton of resentment because it's not really what she wanted to be doing anyway. Um, and then we kind of made the decision about five, six years ago now it was like okay we both know without saying that once our youngest who's now and he's going to third grade um once he graduates high school we know that we're, we're going to get divorced because mm-hmm. we're at this point we're only together because of the kids and then we were like so we made the conscious decisions like well, well we're both you know relatively young i think i mean i was like like right at 30 and we're the same age it was like we should you know if we're comfortable with it and we can make the co-parenting thing work, we should give each other like the opportunity to like be happy and our, our kids should, um, you know, be able to see their parents happy. So we kind of like made that decision and we never like went back on it. It was like really like I was in like living in the guest room for like six months. And then she was like, I think we need to move out. And I was like, all right. And like, that was kind of like what happened. And we, you know, we've decided to stay in the same town and live, you know, 10 minutes away from each other. We switched the kids every week. Nice. Um, so that like works out. And then, you know, I was kind of like, you know, I didn't have like that, like I went like straight from college or straight from high school and college met her. So like, um, I didn't have like that, like phase where I dated around and yeah. like, so like, so I had like, my, you know, my, my little hoe phase it's not that good. where I was like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want. I haven't gotten to do whatever I want. Um, this is great. And then like, I met my, you know, current wife, we like, we, we met on Tinder nice. and, um, she was like leaving town. And so she left town the day that we like swiped on each other. And then we just talked for two weeks, um, got to know each other. And then like, I picked her up from the airport and she came to my apartment and stayed for like five days. Fuck and, yeah, like, that's awesome. And that's been like, and we've been like inseparable since. And, you know, she had been married before and I had been married before. So we both definitely knew like what we didn't want. And we were like old enough because she, and she's, you know, same age, she's 34. Um, but we were both kind of like, like we know what we want and don't want. Mm-hmm. And we're like mature enough to like say, okay, yeah, this is, this is good or not. And I think just like figuring out, you know, who you, who you want. And like, so like you, like, and I, and I, and I always talk about, you know, the first marriage being a practice marriage. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's like when I got married at 21, like I wasn't old enough to like know who I was or know what I wanted or mm-hmm. have my priorities set or, or anything like that. So like, I, you know, I was a lot different of a person, um, you know, 10 years into my first marriage than, you know, I presented at 21. I don't think I was that much different, but I was trying to be different, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, just being with someone who, you know, allows you to kind of, to be yourself, um, especially as you kind of enter the stage in life where you've, you're making a little bit of money, uh, you, you know, you kind of have like the friends you're going to have and the hobbies you're going to have, mm-hmm. uh, being with someone that like allows you to do that is, you know, the, the priority 
was kind of the priority for me because I, I, you know, I, I was kind of convinced like I'm not going to get married again. I'm just going to be like a bachelor forever. Yeah. And that lasted all of like six months. So <laughs> tough, man. Well, that sounds lovely. Um, I can happily tell you that the hoe phase is not fun. Uh, not that I'm hoeing, but uh, just the dating around, man. The casual dating, you just have to meet people again and again. Um, so it's wonderful mm-hmm. to hear when people do find kind of the right person, even though it took one trial, which I think that's really what it is, is maybe not a practice run, like you said, but um, it's like a second chance, I think. And some mm-hmm. people have third and fourth, you know, um, and that's okay as long as maybe at the end they figure it out. So um, that's lovely, man. I I was going to ask about DC and then I realized you're, yeah, it's Savannah. Now, so we only have a minute and a half left. So yeah. my last question, and then I'll, I'll just open it up if you want to say anything have you been to a Savannah Bananas game? I have. Is it amazing? I, it seems well, amazing. No, they're, they're, they're so much fun. It's such a fun, like, atmosphere. Um, you know, this is actually, like, Savannah's a great city. Like, I, I, like I recommend anybody come and visit. Like, it's a really good, like, uh, four, it's like, it's a great four-day, like, weekend place mm-hmm. uh, for people to come. Um, so I always recommend like people come and you know, people do like, if they come into town, they'll, um, you know, they'll say, Hey, do you want to get a drink? Oh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, it, it just kind of depends, but I've always got like recommendations for, you know, supper people to do. So, well, if anyone's listening, wants to go to Savannah, hit them up. Uh, we've probably got like 20 seconds left. So I just want to say thank you for coming on. I'm sure I'll have you on for another time, a, a little longer. Yeah, um, absolutely. but yeah, man, I appreciate it. We'll put this out and, uh, It'll be on the timeline soon. All right. See you, All man. Right. See you, man. Thank you. So I just want to give another shout out to Terrence for coming on. Um, you know, he didn't have to give me his time, but I really do appreciate that. So just as kind of like a little wrap up, um, it sounds like Terrence is um, someone who has their shit together, I would say. You know, a lot of people think that you have to have it together by 30 or by a certain number. And um, that's just not true. A lot of people change their careers when they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you name it. And sometime in the future, they'll change it in their hundreds, depending on how, you know, healthcare goes. But it sounds like Terrence was able to overcome a lot of obstacles in life um, and, you know, really come out thriving. Uh, I think he's one of the people on Twitter that you can really count on for being a positive force, offering a lot of great advice, um, really coaching and, and mentoring people that need it, and just being a light, you know, in a a cesspool of other tweets that you see on the timeline. So again, really appreciated him coming on. And if you want to follow him, you can find him on Twitter. His name's Terrence Avery. It is T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E-S-A-V-E-R-Y. Great guy. Highly recommend. And I think you will benefit from giving him a follow. All right, that's going to be the episode today. I really appreciate you guys sticking around to the end. I'm going to try to keep it around half an hour each time. And uh, I think next time I'm going to add a little something that I enjoy, maybe some space, maybe something like that. I'll get a little snazzy, throw some pizzazz in there. Also, our next guest is another Twitter superstar who I'm really excited for you guys to meet. He also shares a lot of different hobbies that I really enjoy, such as lifting and hockey and many other things. So stay tuned, subscribe if you want to, leave a five-star recommendation. If you leave a one-star, I'll find you and beat you up. Thanks and have a great day.